It's a no-race post-race podcast. Of course, you'll all be aware by now that the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix in Imola this weekend was called off by Formula One amidst the flooding disaster that is going on in the region and devastating parts of northern Italy. The main priority has to be safety, of course, not just for the people traveling and working within F1, but it would be quite simply irresponsible to put on an event that required emergency services and recovery vehicles to be diverted away from any flood relief efforts for the local people in the area. So no racing, but we've still got some things to talk about. My name's Harry Benjamin. Callan O'Keefe is here as always. And Callan, uh, although, uh, I mean, we were looking forward to Imola, obviously everyone's made the right call here, right? Yeah, 100%. I think, obviously, we, we all echo the uh, the sentiments that have been pushed around on social media recently where we just hope that the, the people affected by the flood are, are obviously managing it the best they can and definitely the right call from the sport. And, you know, on a slightly lighter side, it obviously means that Nick DeFries isn't going to be tagged as the, the worst performer of the weekend on the WTF1 post-race podcast. So um, he's safe for another week, isn't he? Um, and you know how much I love Nick. Well, um, about that, I, I still think he was a bit of an underperformer this weekend. A DNS is just not good enough. as far. I as was going to say this 100%. I was like, you're still going to pick Nick, aren't you? You're still going to pick him as the worst performer of the weekend. Give him a chance. Okay, a, okay, okay. He did a great job on the travel, 100%. I know great job on the travel. <laughs> he managed his timing. He got to the airport on time. Everything was efficient. So, you know, we can't, we can't single him out just yet. No, not yet. Well, you know, not long until Monaco. So there we go. Well, Nick DeVries survives this week uh, on not being on the uh, bottom of the podium ladder. But uh, as usual, Cal and I are not alone uh, this week. Presenter and host of the Red Bull Racing F1 podcast, Talking Bull, Nicola Hume is here. Now, contractually, uh, she can only say positive things about Red Bull. So welcome back, Nick. Hey, babies. <laughs> what a great weekend for Red Bull. It's been a really great weekend for Red Bull. <laughs> Well, speaking of Red Bull sister team, obviously Alpha Tauri, uh, based in Faenza, just a, a few kilometers really from from uh, Imola and uh, in the Emilia Romagna region, affected quite badly. Yuki Tsunoda lives there, oh. and he was out on the streets helping clean up. Nick DeVries was was getting stuck trying to make his way back home as well. He, he was in a hotel that became a bit of a refuge area for for the emergency security services and, and helping people um, get away from the flooding. So, I mean, what a what a weekend! I mean, hats hats off to to both of them, and hats off to anyone that sort of helped out with the flooding situation over there. Because I mean, the pictures. It's so upsetting seeing some of the pictures. It was absolutely the right call to call off the race, etc. But uh, Yuki, oh, Yuki has my heart and my soul. I love him so much. Although I feel like, I feel like if this was a couple of years ago, that totally would have been Seb. Seb would have jumped in yeah. and done the same thing. Even if he wasn't based around the area, he would have hung around to help out. That is such a classic Seb thing to do, isn't it? I'm kind of surprised Seb wasn't there, to be fair. Okay, yeah, I, that's the kind of thing he would do, exactly. You you can just imagine Seb getting on a plane and going and helping out because it's, he's just that kind of guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's such a shame. And also, I think it's a real shame because I was looking forward to chatting to you guys about the race and hearing Harry uh, have a go at the full official title for the race this weekend, which was what, Harry? What, you mean the Formula One Qatar Airways Grand Premio del Made in Italy e dell'Emilia Romagna? Oh, he's that been one. practicing. He's been practicing. Oh, oh he's a modern-day professional. <laughs> it rolls <laughs> off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I think that is the officially. Uh, well, actually, no, I don't want to put my hand on the on, on the line and say that is the officially the longest title ever. I don't think it is. There's probably something longer. I feel like the one that they did in um, Magello a couple of years ago had a, had a very similar longish title. 
But um, this one has the most different kind of countries in it. Qatar, Italy, Emilia, Romagna. All it's missing is a bit of Imola. And uh, and then you've got the, the full list there, really. But no, we didn't get uh, a Grand Prix. But for obvious good reason, I think there's some esports stuff maybe going on. Uh, Max Verstappen is organising something with a, with a bunch of... Uh, well, he, he does his team redline stuff with a few support uh, drivers too. Um, but no Imola. Um, Yuki gets driver of the day, obviously, for being out on the streets. Uh, and uh, Ferrari and F1 donating you know, a million euros to the cause. Formula One setting up a, a donation service as well. Amazing. Uh, to the to the local area so uh doing their best um and the teams were allowed back in uh having been sent away on the wednesday i think it was they were allowed back into the paddock to, to pack up things because it's not that long until we go to monaco in fact they'll go probably straight there and, and head uh, to the south of france which is where we go next but the thing is Callan, with Monaco, I mean, you've raced around there and we all know it's tight, it's twisty, it's not really, it's not a testing track and it's not ideal for overtaking really. And the main thing about Imola was that this was going to be the first of the big races where we saw the upgrades come. Mercedes in particular were going to bring a whole, basically, well, as close as they could to, to a new car. They got side pod, front suspension, bits and bobs like that. They are apparently still going to bring that and introduce it into Monaco. But what's the point? Is it going to work? I mean, that that's the other thing, isn't it? Yeah, all the simulation, all the money they spend trying to correlate these upgrades to, they, they don't know whether they're going to work if they put them on the car in real life. And to not have that opportunity to be able to run them at a proper race circuit to understand whether or not this is the path that the teams want to develop the cars is, is a massive headache for them. And and as you said, Monaco is not really a place. Formula One cars are massively based around aerodynamic and aerodynamic efficiency. That's where we always talk about it, don't we? How can you make the car as fast as you possibly can in a straight line, but also as fast in the high-speed corners because that's where they make the difference. So, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of head scratching. And actually, I'm quite excited for Monaco because I think there's going to be a lot of work with the teams trying to understand actually whether or not they've taken a step or whether or not they're just giving themselves false hope by developing the cars in this direction. And yeah, Monaco is, is, is an immense driver challenge and, and one of those places where the drivers have to get up to speed as well. So we're going to be see teams, we're going to be seeing teams fighting against whether or not their cars are better, but also how quickly can their drivers get up to speed to maximize that track's time to see if the, the developments are there. Yeah, well, it's not long, as I say, but um, Ferrari had planned a new rear suspension. They delayed that to Spain now, which seems like the more sensible choice. Alpha Tauri, we're going to bring a new four. Alpha Romeo bringing major tweaks as well. But I mean, the upgrades are just some of the fallout from, from Imola being cancelled. But Nick, the other one is obviously, will we get Imola again this year? Can it be rescheduled, do you think? Right. Well, this is what I've been trying to work out, right? So I've been looking at my um, my Formula One calendar. And I'm trying to think, is there, is, where is the option here to potentially put it in another space? And the only option, I think, is to put it around the hungry race. But then at that point, you've literally got like four or five weeks of races on the trot, yeah. which will just be too much. Uh, but apart from that, I don't see how you can put it anywhere else in the calendar that would make sense i mean apart from if you maybe go slightly ahead of texas but that would just be completely bonkers to go from imola to texas Surely i don't know it's just uh, uh, unless they put it at the end or they just completely cancel it i don't know how it's going to work maybe that's the finale well maybe maybe abu dhabi happens and that's lovely and then you you have a big finale at imola would that work? It would in be December. a nice classic rustic race to end on, wouldn't it? But I mean, you're right because there is that there is a week between Silverstone and Hungary in yeah. July, but then it would be 
Austria, Silverstone, Imola, Hungary, Belgium. Belgium, yeah. That's five back to back to back to back. That they can't possibly do that. Plus, That's I'm, too I imagine exhausting. people have already booked time off and all this kind of stuff. And then, and then you've got the summer break after Belgium, so you can't do anything then. And then there isn't. And then you've got the flyaways, but you can't be flying back and forth like that. I mean, and ho- yeah, you're right about holiday. About you know, members of staff booking holiday. You know, that some might have booked a week at Centre Parks. And now they're going to be fuming. <laughs> I've got a I've got a family barbecue during the week between between Silverstone and, and Hungary. So it's I, not I, fair. I can't I can't, can't let can, family can you guys stop bragging about having friends and plans? I was just <laughs> sat here going, you know what? Why not? It can't be that difficult to organise another Grand Prix, can it? It's not like it's a huge logistical nightmare to fly somewhere else, is it? So <laughs> nah. and then you guys have to add fuel to the fire by bragging about having plans and friends. It just it just hurts. <laughs> Being sad here, it just hurts. Okay. And I and I think I, I you know. Obviously, going back to it as well, I, Formula One, it, it just, everyone knows what a huge logistical, uh, well, yeah, it, it, it's a huge sport. There's a lot of, there's a lot of teams, a lot of personnel. And I think to fly back and forth in between, I, I've got a couple of friends that work in Formula One. And obviously, I do a bit myself as well. And to fit it in would be borderline impossible. Would probably better just to leave it off. And, and we come back next year, hoping for another race of, of chaos and a race that actually happens. Actually, the other thing though, Callan, that you might, uh, be a good person to know about this is obviously supporting Formula One this weekend was Formula Two, Formula Three, and there was talk about the cost cap uh, about Formula One too, and how does this affect the cost cap because that was set with a with a, initially a twenty four race schedule. Then we lost China. Now we've lost Imola. How's that going to work? But equally, I imagine you know, for the F three and the F two drivers as well, who who are paying, you know, they've probably come up with a deal maybe race by race. They've now lost a whole round. How does that affect them? Yeah, I think the one thing with F2 and F3 is the drivers are suffering from such limited track time. When you get mm. to that, you know, the, the, let's call it the um, the top of the, the triangle when you're looking to get to Formula One, these guys have a restricted testing. You normally get between four and six days a year of, of official testing. So the track time is so valuable for these young drivers' development. To then have it where we have a race cancelled, um, I think there'll probably be a fight with, obviously, getting a bit of money back from all the drivers. Um, I know... A couple of drivers have already inquired, obviously, because if if, I hope if you don't race, you, exactly, exactly. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's a lot of the drivers. I spoke to them, and they're more concerned about the lack of track time because everyone is trying to build off of of Baku if you're in F two, and everyone is trying to build off the last F three race where, you know, we we we're in we're in May now, and we've had very limited track time, especially with the F three drivers. We're trying to build what we're doing, understanding the tie, especially for the rookies, and and. You know, continuing that momentum, if we now have another long break, miss an opportunity to get on track, it, it kind of hinders their development and and just puts a bit of a, a, a marker, doesn't it, of, of what they're doing. So especially now, as you mentioned, we've got Monaco next. It's the first time back for the F3 cars there in a while since we had GP3 um, for a similar kind of category of car. And yeah, I think that's going to be a real challenge for the drivers without having Imola to, to kind of bed themselves back in again after the last race. I do have to ask, do we know if there's any damage that's been done with regards to the F2 stuff? Because the, the images that I saw online was that that part of their paddock was pretty much underwater. It looked like lorries were kind of stuck and all that sort of thing. Do we know the amount of damage that's gone on there for the F2 guys? I think that's that's probably a question you ask a few days after everyone's managed to uh, to get themselves out and, yeah. and the kind of recovery and everything has, has happened when everything's settled down. So I will I'll make it my job to find out because I think it's actually a really good point, isn't it, Nicola? That, you know, 
we're now going straight to Monaco if there has been damage and and, and F2 teams they they're huge enterprises they you know they run they don't run to a Formula 1 budget but it's a very impressive operation if you see the amount of people personnel you know a lot of the teams are using AI as well so there's there's a lot of stuff that can get damaged isn't there um mm-hmm. so I I will make it my my mission over the course of the weekend now that we have some time to find out really which teams have been affected if any and you know see if that is going to affect any of the drivers over the course of the year I mean, even just down to some lorries breaking down where they've got stuck in the water, that can really affect mm. things, you know? Yeah, 100%. And, and you know, across the world of motorsport, yeah, spare parts, tyres, everything. Yeah. We're, we're very strained at the moment, especially in the junior formula. You know, we had, a, we had it last year in F4. There was a, a shortage of Pirelli tyres because drivers are using so much for testing and, and obviously everything that's... The, the world doesn't just revolve around Formula One, doesn't it? There's there's lots of stuff going on in the world that affects Formula One. Um, and it's very easy to forget sometimes that there's there's bigger issues behind that can can have an effect on it. Yeah. Round one of the Porsche Super Cup didn't get going either. So, you know, that happened. Uh, then- <laughs> I'd say that's a car with a roof. We don't talk about that in this podcast. <laughs> Unless you have a convertible, you know. That's the second category. Um, <laughs> there was supposed to be a, a new tyre qualifying format tested though as well uh this weekend uh it's going to be the first of a well trial of a, a new tire allocation and uh, those rules aimed at improving sustainability in in formula one which is basically a reduction in sets available from 13 to 11 for each driver um and then in terms of qualifying that was going to sort of be shown by the drivers having being forced to use specific compounds in each qualifying so q1 they'd have to use the hard q2 the medium and q3 the soft and that was basically going to ensure the teams were left with more race option sets as well. So we could maybe spice up strategy options come the race. And it was going to be the first test. How, Callan, how do you think that would have played out? I mean, does that sound on the face of it, you know, having one compound attire for each qualifying section, uh, leaving them with maybe more possibilities? Does he, do you think that will work? Do you think the format needs changing? Because if anything, within Formula One right now, I think qualifying is still probably the fine like it's, it's good it's entertaining we all know where we're at i'm gonna first of all i'm gonna you know a little disclaimer here i'm not really the one to talk to about sustainability so i don't understand the sustainability implications of it i'm just you know classic idiot racing driver so i always look at the performance aspects of what's going on so don't quote me on sustainability anything like that it may be a massive um improvement in terms of sustainability which obviously we're all striving for in the sport because you know as we already said massive logistical costs it Formula One can be can be yeah like there's bigger issues around Formula One than just the Grand Prix, isn't there? So, um, but in terms of performance, I quite like the ideology of not being locked to a specific tire because what it does do is it creates excitement. Because if if you're on the edge of getting into Q3, if you're on the edge of getting into Q2, or equally, if we go to a track where there's massive track evolution, for example, like a street circuit, the the way that the teams use the tire is so critical to understanding qualifying and maximizing the track positioning for San, for Sunday. And um, I don't really think it's going to make a difference in the races because, unfortunately, Formula One cars are, are massively aero-dominant cars. And with aero comes turbulent air when you follow, and and that makes it very difficult to pass. So I think we're more likely to be able to see chaotic races if cars can be out of position by maximizing their qualifying strategy rather than utilizing more you know more tires in the race. Because I think I think teams have got so much simulation, they've got so many people that they've they've already got a handle under deg really and, and how the tire behaves. We need the the drama to happen on Saturday to create drama on Sunday. Yeah, that's true. I mean I still think that if they're gonna 
they're fiddling with everything at the moment, Nick, right? And I just think that if you're going to fiddle with qualifying, just go go hard, make it one shot, one shot qualifying. Yeah, they they are fiddling with everything, aren't they? Because they, they want to make the races a bit more dramatic because a lot of the races at the moment just seem to be like one-stop simple strategies and people are finding it a little tad boring, if you will, if there's just going to be one pit stop or if all the drivers are going to end up doing exactly the same strategy, etc. So I see what they're trying to do. I can see what they're attempting to do to get a bit of wear out of the tyres during qualifying. So then when it comes to the actual race, then maybe the options will be slightly different. Then you might have to consider two stops, etc. But I don't know if that's the way to do it. I think maybe maybe certain races you have to you have to implement a, this has to be a two stop or something like that would be the best way to make mm-hmm. it a little bit more dramatic in the race rather than playing around with qualifying is my opinion yeah i think so i think that people at the moment think the racing is limited by the tire uh choices and, and the tire strategies which which oh we love a bit of tire talk don't we which maybe you know <laughs> if, if you say okay it's minimum mandatory two stops but the other thing right and i keep thinking this you know they brought in these new regulation changes last year it's gonna really flip the order and yeah you saw aston martin make a really big jump and okay it is tight in the midfield but i still don't feel like they got what they wanted out of it i haven't got i haven't got callan what i wanted out of these new regulations and i'm not happy about it i don't think they've really worked to be quite frank i think we should have certain parts of the cars that should be spec and and that way you're not you're not having midfield teams occasionally fighting tooth and nail for a point you're getting yuki Tsunoda getting p4 when he earns p4 well, when you, you become the FIA pro, the standard FIA president, when the FIA call themselves to the FIA, uh, we've discussed this many times, you, you're going to take over at some point. You can implement that rule. But I think, again, you know, adding a little bit of, of experience of what we have in the junior formula, where obviously we have less people. I'm not comparing, you know, F3 and F2 to Formula 1, but we have spec parts there and you still see difference in teams because at the end of the day, you know, the margins are so small in motorsport. And, and if you can squeeze out half a tenth at 10 corners, that's the difference between making yourself look dominant and making yourself, you know, be in the fight with the others. So it's it's a very complicated one with, with the ideology of just go, well, all spec parts going to create racing. I think we have to we have to understand what are the limiting factors of, of what, stop race what stops racing and what limits a sunday so we've already mentioned tires we mentioned the fact that it's very difficult to follow and i think we were promised this amazing oh it's going to be so much easier to follow now there's going to be so much more racing but you know it hasn't really materialized as you said so if if i could you know put myself in your shoes harry and become the the standard fia president for the day i would look at potentially reducing the amount of downforce the cars have you know, relying more on mechanical grip that would make it far easier for the cars to follow. And if we can make it easier to follow, we would create more, you know, exciting racing because it would give more possibilities and the drivers would be able to do more. At the moment, the drivers follow, they destroy the tire, then they have to back off because they can't follow. And then obviously it falls into a bit of a, of a procession. So um, easy to to say that sat here in a, a Premier Inn in Norwich um, when <laughs> I'm not engineering Formula One cars. When, <laughs> when I'm not engineering Formula One cars and have very little engineering experience, but that would be where I would look. And I know Formula One is trying, but it, it's just going to take a bit of shaking out. And hopefully, we can with the current regulations we've got. Hopefully, the teams can kind of understand that they can use the huge resources they've got to make it easier to follow, and we can have great races and more to talk about on this amazing podcast. Yeah. That was a hell of an answer. Can't lie. That was a hell of an answer, Callum. Very nice. 
Can, can, can you beat that or not? No. No. <laughs> I've got nothing to add to everything that he's just said. I was just listening, going, "That's yeah, love that, yeah. love that for you." <laughs> if you if you keep talking enough, eventually something you say makes sense. That's what I've worked off of for the last twenty six years. So it's nice to know it's finally come true. All I wanted to pick up from that was that I think I've actually stayed in that Norwich Premier Inn before, um, and so I know what you're going through. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'll do this weekend? We've got a couple of drivers out in in F four here at Snetterton what a lovely place the stars of the future um so when we work out because we it's, it's even something we talk about here you know we do our qualifying and then we have a driver that qualifies mid-pack and you you talk to them about and it's, it's something that maybe you know the, the people are hopefully interested in listening and if they're not then please switch yourself off for the next two minutes while I waffle on about it but when a, driver's, <laughs> when a driver's following behind another car obviously we have turbulent air and you know, even from a young age when they're 14, 15 and F4 level where the downforce isn't as much, we talk to them about how you cross the dirty air and how they drive. You always, you can never run in the wheel tracks of another car ahead. So you, you're always trying to look for clean air to go over the car because obviously when you're following, warm air comes off the car. Warm air is, is less dense and it's it creates less downforce. So there's there's a, a, a fact and a, a nice little statistic if you're sat at the pub watching Formula One next time and you see someone turning a bit earlier when they follow, you can go, oh yeah, they're trying to, trying to get themselves away from the dirty, turbulent air. And that's why they're doing that. And then you can make yourself sound like a pro. See? That yeah. is why he's here. Because he knows what he's talking about. They Me and Harry are here for absolutely no reason. <laughs> they couldn't find anyone else. That's the other reason I'm here. <laughs> what do you think about turbulent air, Harry? Um, I yeah, think, Harry. Uh, it's bad and we should not have it. Um, well, actually, the whole... The, these These bloody regulations were designed to minimize that and if not get rid of it and and has it done that in the last couple of grand prix we've had drivers like sign said it in Baku. you know it's it's hard to follow and that it, that's red red flag alarm bells that was the whole point of these regulations they You're were getting a bit ranty harry sorry 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 look I, I all right we'll leave it there but you know how i feel about this uh let us know if you feel the same uh but uh, coming back to the qualifying uh tire strategy thing that obviously didn't happen um that is still going to happen though they are going to test this new tire rule in hungary uh in a, in a, in a month well over a month's time um so you know, do you think the format needs changing? Let us know. Uh, are you happy with qualifying? Do you think it's actually the race that still needs tinkering with? Do we want all the sprints and stuff? Do we need to bother qualifying? We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. We'll get back to the show in just a moment. But first, a quick word about our partners at MoneyGram. We live in a world that's more digital than ever, with nearly every want or need just to tap away. And so many of our favorite digital services seamlessly meet the physical world when they're delivered to your front door. But until now, that hasn't been true for crypto. Digital currencies have been tied up online with no easy way to bring them into the real world. That's why we're so excited to share that you can now cash in and out of select digital wallets and participate in MoneyGram locations without a bank, credit card or debit card. Convert your digital currency to cash and back again using the only digital wallets with real cash access activated by MoneyGram. Learn more at moneygram.com slash Stella Wallets. That's moneygram.com slash Stella. That's S-T-E-L-L-A-R Wallets. Um, so what, those are sort of the key things, the fallout really from, from Imola being cancelled. Um, the other things though going around this weekend, there was still some other news outside uh, of, of Imola, um, Nicola. And uh, well, do you fancy going to Finland for a Grand Prix? Absolutely. Yeah, I think Born so. Bottas. 
Yes. Well, because I saw a headline as well saying that he doesn't plan on going anywhere anytime soon. And Mm. I'm more than happy for him and his Tash and his mullet to hang around because what a legend that dude is. I love Bottas. Got a lot of time for that guy. I think he's an incredible driver. I think he's very, very talented. I think he has been struggling with a car this year. And it would be amazing if he can get a race in Finland and just feel totally at home on his own turf. I think he will just completely fly in that alpha. He will. Yeah, I think, well, you've got to be careful how much you big up a, another driver, um, Red Bull Nicola, because uh, they'll be on you. Yeah, yeah Red Bull Nicola. Say, I'm allowed to say that drivers are good, but I mean, what can I say? It's, uh, everyone's great, but Red Bull 1-2 at the moment. Do I need to say any more? That no. is true. Well, they, they may be 1-2, but they don't have drivers that have impeccable mullets and moustaches. <laughs> like, can, can we just appreciate the growth <laughs> of Valtteri? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's still got time, hasn't he? Uh, can we just appreciate the growth of Valtteri Bottas? I mean, just what an absolute hero he's become since he's just kind of come out of his shell a little bit. He's, we're also, everyone, everyone talks about the mullet. Everyone talks about the moustache. No one talks about the cycling tan. Now, the next time yes! you see a photo of Valtteri Bottas, look at the tan from the Lycra. And it is impeccable because it, it's so cut off at the arms and the legs. And it, apparently it's like a it's like a badge of honor in cycling. But it, 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 the guy's just become an absolute hero. And, and, you know, we actually, again, going back to the Grand Prix in Finland, I, I like the idea of going to tracks that teams haven't been to before because that's another way of spicing up the racing isn't it? if we can go to tracks where they haven't been doing loads of testing they haven't been going for the last 30 years and they're a little bit different there are you know especially if we could mix it up and we could potentially put them at different times of the year especially the first few years what we could see is a bit of action a bit of shaking up and there was actually a, a karting a world karting championship in in finland a few years ago and they had this amazing track for anyone that has a spare five minutes, which obviously everyone has this weekend. It was this amazing track with like a roller coaster in the background. I can't remember the name of it, but it was so fast and so dangerous. The drivers didn't actually want to race it. And I think that embodies everything that Finland cool. is. It's just a bit loose, isn't it? So hope I've never seen this place before and I really should have done some research looking into it. But if it's anything like that, we are set for, you know, a proper Formula One. So Valtteri, I know you listen to this podcast. Take some time off the bike, take some time, you know, being an absolute hero and, and basically being Australian and please make it happen. <laughs> you you are right about the tan line. I'm just stalking his Instagram. It's and so good. When he it wears is... a tank top, you can see it. You can. What a legend. Yeah. He definitely has summer. come into his own since he's stopped playing second fiddle at Mercedes. Well, he's come he's out the definitely. Machine, hasn't he? Yeah. He, it's like he's just completely there to have an amazing time and just enjoy himself. And you can tell every step of the way, every time he turns up to a race, every interview you see, he's just. What a guy. Mm. I think dating a cyclist has done that to him. And I'm going, you know, me me and Valtteri do have something in common there. Cyclists are a bit loose. And I think that's the key thing here. So if I can... When they come back in, it's like, oh yeah, I was on a country road today. My my, my girlfriend, she rides bikes, obviously. And she, um, she'll come back in and she'll be like, oh, I was, I was on a country road today. And I did a descent and I got to 90 kilometers an hour or whatever it is, 80 kilometers an hour. And you're like... On, on that and you point at the road bike and she's like yeah you know it's it's I wish I'd gone a bit faster and you're like okay this is this is where we're seeing the influence of Valtteri and per, again let's see where he goes we're still in the early stages that's the glory of this we're gonna see an absolute chaotic Valtteri Bottas in the next few months and I can't <laughs> wait to see it I can't wait yeah. to see it 
Well, I, I hope uh, I hope his set, the Alfa Romeo, picks up some pace because right now he's not looking like he can score any points. This is the Kimi ring, by the way, that we're talking about. Um, and and don't want to burst the bubble but Bottas has only had some preliminary talks with them and the Kimi ring kind of is basically falling apart it's bankrupt essentially it was capable of hosting F1 and MotoGP in fact it was even on the MotoGP calendar for this year but then it all fell through he said it it, uh, Bottas saying you know it's just talks at the moment but you know with all the amazing history of, of Finnish drivers in, in Formula One. It's amazing this hasn't happened sooner. You know, Kimi Räikkönen and Mika Hakkinen, uh, not to mention Battery Bottas still on the grid currently. Finland has not hosted a world championship level motorbike race, this is, since 1982 at the Imatra Street Circuit. So that was the last time I think they hosted a world championship level kind of race. Um, they've done, there's a bit of, they were also doing, I think, like Nitro Rally Cross and stuff like that, but that all fell apart as well, along with the Kimi Ring going bankrupt. So let's see, hopefully Valtteri Bottas can be the saviour. Of course, though, you know, this year we were going to have 24 races. So where does that slot in? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Well, are we going? We're going to go up to the twenty fifth of December, are we? Well, we're going to have can to have some midweek races. It's the only way to do it now, isn't it? Races. Yeah. I, Wednesday I, night. I'd be down for that. You know. <laughs> can I throw my hat in the ring here and just say as well, while we're on the topic of new places, that'd be really good to go. Completely unbiased, but what about a Grand Prix in South Africa? Oh. <laughs> You know, I've been I've been getting hurt for the last ten years I because I keep hearing things where I'm like, "Oh, we're gonna go. It's gonna be a street race in Cape Town, or it's gonna be a Kailami." And then, guess what? It never comes through. So, I uh, yeah, please can we have a race in South Africa? I just really want one. I I I would love to see a race. I'd love to see a race in Africa. I'd love to see a race in South Africa as well. We got so much passion for it and so much enthusiasm for motorsport. And again. We need more races. There's not enough races on the calendar, <laughs> Formula One, FIA. Listen, <laughs> listen to the podcast. So it's 52 um, weeks of the year, guys. I mean, come on. Exactly. 52 races at I the bare so minimum. Lazy. Why do people complain about needing time off? It's Formula One is easy. It's literally they only work just weekends. They just around in circles. It's not that hard, is it? Not that hard. Uh, well, Lewis Hamilton is very supportive of having a race in South Africa, and I think as a market, they really should be in in that part of the world. Obviously, there is Kyle Army, which does help hold some GT racing. I think, uh, and I think it, I don't think it's it needs some work being done to it. I think to make it a Grade One level. Um, uh, or whatever the level is to host a Formula One race, but street um, race in Cape Town, street, street race in Cape, Cape Town. Cape if you oh, again wow. for the sending sending the 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 lovely people in the direction of something to watch. If you haven't, the last lap of the Formula E race this year in Cape Town yeah. was absolutely awesome. The move that Antonio pulled to win the race was ridiculous. So why not a street race in Cape Town? Let's 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 put it out there. And then if we really want to get tricky with it, we can put it at night. Why not? Oh, you know, anything. I'm, I'm all for turning night. every race into, into a night race. I think back under the lights. I just think that would look so cool. I am a bit. I think if I if I was the FI president, I would be a bit on the button being like, yep, yeah, night race. Let's do it. <laughs> anything <laughs> is cooler in the dark. Miami, anything night is. race. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That would look is Vegas, great. Is Vegas a night race? It is, isn't it? Uh, yes. And it's on like the Saturday as well. So, yeah, it's really random. Yeah, because yeah. Well, I think they want to try and make it as bearable for the majority of the TV audiences as possible in terms of when it's on. Um, Well, we'll see if Finland comes onto the calendar. We're actually going to do later on in the year a whole WTF1 podcast dedicated to why Formula 1 should be racing in South Africa. So I think Callan's already signed up for that one. Might even be be able to get the legend that is Jody Schechter onto the show as well. Wow. 
Uh, I'm sure he's got a few things to say about that. Um, but uh, let us know. Finland on the calendar. Do you fancy it? I do. Why not? Um, speaking of races, uh, well, actually, this is, might be a good segue. Formula One obviously has an incredible rich history, traditional circuits on the calendar, like Imola, like Monaco, Belgium. And obviously we go to Monaco next. Do we want to see less of the traditional races that perhaps don't provide as much racing action in favour of new places like Finland, like South Africa? Who Who's answering this? Who wants Me to tackle that one? Because I, I will happily tackle this one. Go on, Nick, one. you tackle it. Go on, go on, Nick, it's all yours. <laughs> okay. I get bored of Monaco. Oh, yeah. no, no, I take it back. I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> Um, it's I, it's an awesome circuit and the history behind it and the drama and everything around it. And I know that it's a street circuit and sometimes it gets a little bit exciting. But the thing is, is as soon as you land pole in Monaco, you're going to mm. win Monaco. Let's be honest. Unless you're Charles Leclerc. It's, yeah, it's just one. <laughs> yeah, that's oh. true. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that one hurt me. <laughs> yeah, bless him. Um, but it's, it's one of those races that you just kind of go, oh, just... It would be nice if we had another just really awesome track instead of Monaco, just for a few years, just for just, you know, a couple of years of maybe, yeah, if they can get a track that's going on in South Africa, if they can get a track that's going on in Finland that runs on that weekend in Monaco. But it's, I mean, it's money though, isn't it, Monaco? That's Not Monaco though. Like let the drivers have some, there is no driving challenge like Monaco. It is, I, I you know. I, no one I've cares had the, what the drivers think, Callan. It's about us. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you're, you're right. Sorry, I'll, I'll shut up. That's, yeah. well, I've been put in my box. If, no, no, what, I, what I was going to say was, um, you know, Monaco is, you can't describe the feeling of racing around. The street circuits are cool, like Baku and everything, and I've, I've never raced there. But thankfully, I've I've somehow wrangled my way into being lucky enough to race there. And you, it is so cool when you go under the tunnel for the first time. Even as a junior driver racing in the lower categories, it it's the best feeling in the world. You've got track evolution. The walls are close. Like Formula One cars are miles too quick for for Monaco. Even even the cars that I raced, I raced a Formula Regional around the Regional F3s. It's, it's it's too quick for Monaco. It's it's um, but it's such a good driver's challenge, and I think I think we need to keep the, the you know when you when you're a kid growing up and you want to be a Formula One driver, you look at the main races, don't you? The ones you want to win, and there's always Monaco on the list. And if we get rid of those races, like what what's the kid going to look up to? You know, the, the ultimate driving challenge in Monaco, or potentially a track that's trying to establish itself because you want to you want to add yourself to the list of greats that have won. You want to add yourself to the centers and people like that. So. Please, can we not get rid of Monaco? Can we choose another race? I'm, I'm, I'm all just, for new tracks. I'm just saying, right? Just hear me out, right? All I'm saying is I know as a driver, it must be awesome as, as a challenge to drive that circuit. But as a race, it just as, as a race, the, the drama just isn't as exciting as you, as you want it to be because you can't really overtake that often. And it doesn't make the race that exciting when it comes to overtakes and things like that. It's, it's a street circuit that's awesome fun for the drivers. For everyone else that's a part of it, you kind of go, oh, well, it's Monaco. There we go. Mm. Of course, you're going to win it. 
because you're at the can front. we can we get Nick in a car around Monaco? Can, can yeah. we make it? Do we have the power I mean, to yeah. make come it happen? Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, come on, Red Bull. She only says good things. Put her in the Red Bull. Make it even for everyone else. Put her in the car for the weekend. Yeah, I. It is. You see what I'm saying? I do 100, percent and I think that's yeah. part of the. That's you know Formula One. One of the biggest issues with with Formula One is the fact that obviously for the for the majority of fans, you don't see the little details, do you? You watch cars driving around. And if if I want to understand how good a footballer is, I go into my back garden, I kick a football and very quickly realize that I'm not Lionel Messi because I can't do what they can do. You know what I mean? And it's mm. it's very difficult with Formula One because there's no real reference point for someone to, well, I, I drive my road car. Well, it's not the same. Oh, well, I've been rental karting. It's not the same. Do you know what I mean? It's it's very difficult for those little intricacies to to be appreciated about what the drivers are going through in terms of track evolution, how they skim the barriers, how they, you know, for example, at the, at the top of the hill in Casino, there's, the, the, the people will see this this weekend, there's you, there's two zebra crossings and you always break in between the two zebra crossings, but you can't see anything. It's completely blind. So you just have to get to the top of the hill as quickly as you can. And then you turn in, there's a barrier that sticks out just at the last part of Casino Square before you turn right to go back down the hill towards the hairpin. And you turn in aiming for the barrier Monaco because the track doesn't rubber in as quickly as as a regular racetrack so you have to anticipate the fact the car's going to have some understeer so you turn in aiming for the barrier and the understeer from the fact that the track's not rubbered in pushes you wide and that's something when you're driving is it's just ridiculous you're turning in aiming for a barrier at whatever it is 200 odd kilometers an hour and then just brushing it it's it's so good and I, I can't stress that enough I know it's not exciting but it's so exciting for us please don't take it away no I mean the way you describe all right fine (laughs) we'll keep Monaco fine Uh, the way you describe it I mean yeah Monaco is a spectacle and that's the thing it's got the historic significance if you're there in Monaco as well which I know obviously not a lot of people get the chance to do that but I I was lucky enough to go a few years ago for the Formula E actually not the F1 but even just being in Monaco walking around is a bit is a bit of a spectacle it's a weird place to be as well I remember looking (laughs) Sorry. Hello. Oh, <laughs> dogs on the show. They love Monaco. <laughs> yeah. They're in favor of me, by the way. Everyone, uh... yeah, all in favor. Bark. Um, yeah. But I remember you know, I was just looking for like a supermarket around Monaco, and I couldn't. I could. I just couldn't find one. I could find Bugatti. I could find Yves Saint Laurent. I could find Chanel. I just couldn't find a supermarché. Uh, but that's the whole. <laughs> that's the whole point of Monaco. Is it is a bit of a spectacle, and it kind of comes across on TV a little bit, but. Um, Equally, with my FIA president hat on, Formula E race there, and it's always cracking. It's bonkers because they're smaller cars. They can actually go side by side. They can do a little bit of wheel to wheel, and so make the car smaller, and Monaco will be fine. Simple as. Oh, there we go. Another thing, though, uh, the TV direction has always been uh, not the best uh, for Monaco because it's been done by the local Monaco team. But this year, it's going to be the first time it's in charge of by F1. So they're finally actually taking control of that. I didn't know that. that. Yeah. That's exciting. So would you remember, was, was it last year or a couple of years ago where there was a great fight between Gasly and, and uh, oh, I can't remember who it was now, um, going up um, to, to the casino and then they cut away and it was like Lan- a replay of Lance Stroll and the replay screen swipes. <laughs> oh, oh, that was my favorite <laughs> meme ever. <laughs> so like, he sli- slightly like banged the curb and it was like, like this is not, this is not valid. You've just missed a great like side by side all the way up to the casino. Uh, Lance, so, Lance yeah. Stroll disagrees. Lance I'll Str- tell you that for love, love the end. That was his moment. It was. Speaking of Aston Martin, though, I mean, we can look forward a little bit to to Monaco. We've got a couple of minutes left. Um, Alonso has been saying uh, that he reckons victories 
are possible at places like Monaco, Hungary, Singapore, because although the Aston Martin lacks straight line speed, it is good around the corners. So, Callan, is this is this his best chance for victory? I mean, we we yeah, the the Red Bull car is dominant. I know Nick's gonna love me saying that. Um, it's it's so <laughs> good. Like yeah, it's just it's, it's you watch the onboard of it, and it's so nice to drive. And Monaco is is a confidence place. The more confidence you have, the faster you go. Um, I, I, I would really love to sit here and say it's a chance. I mean, we need a bit of, with the reality, we need a bit of drama, don't we? We need, we need something to happen. We need Max or Checo to, to have an off weekend or Fernando to be, to get out of the weekend of his life. We don't need that, but it's, you know, let them race. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Completely impartial opinions. Um, No, we, we need some, and. Fernando is he's on the form of his life at the moment and if there's ever going to be a place where he can do it it's definitely there you know slow pit stop something like that because it is a place where the, the Red Bulls can't just breeze past people there is more there's yeah there's there's more strategy involved in overtaking and there's there's more that can go wrong so I'm really hoping because I just love to see again in the the, the purest form of of the sport I want to see the scenes when Fernando Alonso wins again because I was looking at it it's been 10 years since his last win yeah. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's been 10 years since his last win. Am I, am I right in that? Is the, the experts? I mean, I'm, a, I'm Ger- an idiot racing driver. Germ- Germany, Hockenheim, 2013? 2013, Ooh, Google it. Quickly Google it's it. It's like 10, 10 years and... Hang on a minute. I have I have the statistics somewhere here. It's, I actually it's write like, it down because I did the Miami somewhere here Grand on my Prix Google. and I was like, somewhere here could win this. In, in the back of my mind, I definitely have it somewhere. In my file effects. I should really <laughs> scrolling through my phone now trying to work out when the last time Fernando Oh Londo no, won. it was Spain 2013. Oh. Oh. Oh, Hockenheim 2012 was his last pole position, I believe. That was, that was the race where the Williams garage caught fire, wasn't it? Uh, Spain. No, that was Spain, twenty twelve. Oh, that was when Maldonado. Well, that was the year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's been ten years. Can you imagine the scenes, the party for Fernando to win after ten years in Monaco? That would be that would be mad, wouldn't it? It I would get on a plane. I would get on a plane because that evening would be exceptional. Yeah, absolutely exceptional. Well, it would be amazing, but it's not going to happen, babe. (laughs) All right, let me dream. Let me dream. (laughs) Let me dream. Bring us all back down to earth for that one. Cheers. It's just I, honest. I just, yeah, I really do genuinely think, and this isn't this isn't a contract thing again. I think Red Bull are just going to absolutely smash every single race. They really are because Adrian Newey is the king. The one That's thing, the one thing that could throw a spanner in the works and make Monaco great is I've just looked at the weather, and although we're a week out, rain. Rain predicted. Rain on Sunday, bit of rain on Saturday, bit of rain on Friday, bit of rain on Thursday. Yeah, because it was delayed at the start last year, wasn't it, for ages. But that's the thing. I hate when they delay it and then, you know, it's like, well, we want to see them battle it out on the the wet track. Yeah. All those road markings make for slippery driving and I love it. I love it. I love it. And of course, the walls are not far away in Monaco either. Tell you what would be good for Monaco, this new, our our tyre strategy thing of, of, you know, minimum two stops. That would be, you know, because we don't want a one-stop Monaco because then that's just going to be boring. It's just going to add on top of it, isn't it? We want, we want a couple of stops at least. If we can guarantee that Monaco is going to always be in the drizzly weather, then we can keep Monaco forever, I think. Mm. So again, this is I. I feel as the voice of reason for racing drivers. I feel attacked. I feel 
I don't feel understood. <laughs> I don't, you Monaco are understood. In, Monaco in the wet is terrifying, though. To be fair, like because, of, like I said, because of all the lines. We um the year that I raced it, we had our qualifying with slicks in the wet around Monaco, and it was. I remember getting back to the teams like awning bit because you, you you're miles away. We were at the tennis club, so you have to do like two k of driving on the streets to then go through the tunnel and rejoin the circuit to then come through like in all the the support categories. And I remember sitting back in the truck after qualifying and being like. That was absolutely ridiculous. So Did I kind you say of you were on slicks. Yeah, we 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 took a gamble for slicks. So we um they oh they God. separate the qualifying into two groups. So you sat watching the qualifying happening, and the first qualifying was on wet, and we were kind of on the cutoff of whether it was slicks or wets. And I was I was actually racing for Fernando Alonso's junior team at the time, and it was there was a, a very new team to the championship. We had very good engineers and very good people, but. You know, I kind of rocked up at the weekend and I was like, have we have have we been around Monaco before? They're like, no. Have we been around a street circuit before? No. Have we got any video? No. Have we got any data? No. I was like, oh, cool. So I've got half an hour to learn the track. That's going to be fun. Um, it's Let's put some slicks on. Really good. Well, really well good. again, so you, I took a gamble to try and make something happen because, again, as you said, Monaco is super boring because you can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we took a gamble on slicks in the way. And I think I qualified third or something but it was in, in groups like fifth overall or whatever but it was like driving around with slicks in the way in monaco was absolutely going into turn one and like locking the rears and heading oh. for the outside barrier crossed up yeah God. we can make a drizzle this was a very long-winded way of saying please can it rain this weekend because i think there's going to be some absolutely awesome action and and some great stuff to look out for if it does i think so we're looking forward to it um what if you're faced with the conundrum monaco or street race in cape town one or the other don't do that to me. <laughs> do it to why, him. Do it. To, you have why, to answer. Why can't we do both? I don't. No, want to you're choose. not allowed. No. It's like asking someone to choose there's which one child left, they love there's more. One spot, there's one spot left on the calendar, and it's either Cape Town or Monaco. Yeah, Sophie's choice. You got to do it. Oh, why did I? Why am I so passionate about this? Why is this such a difficult decision? <laughs> you have, you have five seconds. Can is it a long term deal? Yeah. Well, of course, I'm South African. I'm going to choose Cape Town, aren't I? Okay. Ah, see, I knew you hated Monaco. I, I knew just completely it. unraveled all my credibility. I, it, you know, in fact, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that Cape Town would be amazing if it's a long-term deal and we can have a race where people can look up to it. Because the big thing with Monaco is, as I said to you, you start off as a kid in karting and you go, oh, Monaco's cool. And I, every driver has a memory of watching Monaco and going, I quite like to win around there. That's really nice, isn't it? So... If we can make Monaco have the same prestige, then Cape Town. If it doesn't, then we keep Monaco on the calendar and we replace it with an irrelevant race that no one cares about so we can have both. And that's my answer. Thank you very much. Well, all right, then we'll leave it there, shall we? That was uh, a very well... safe answer, though, wasn't yeah. it? That was a very safe answer. No, well done, Callum. You, you handled the pressure well. Um, look, we are just about out of time. So for a no-race post-race podcast, we did manage to fill the time. I hope it was uh, at least of some relevance to uh, you if you're listening. Thank you very much for your company, as always. Uh, stay tuned for WTF on channels throughout the week as we now look forward to Monaco and build up. We'll be Hot Take Wednesday, and then we'll be back uh, for the post-race Monaco podcast as well. But Nicola Hugh, thank Thank you very much uh, for Thank giving you for up your me. time. Um, and uh, Callan O'Keefe, as always, joins myself, Harry Benjamin, for every post race podcast. We shall see you straight after Monica. Bye bye.